Blog Talk Radio. Dr. Ross Green, welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving Live. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. That's 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's get this show on the road. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's program. I'm going to talk a little bit about some experiences that I've had in the not-too-distant future and and (laughs) not-too-distant past. The not-too-distant future is unknown. Um, the not-too-distant past, uh, in working with a lot of the schools that I've been working with lately. A few different topics. Um, One that we talked about a little bit last week um, in the last uh, program, what's your vision for your school's discipline program? How inclusive of all of your students is uh, your school vision statement? Um, But I wanted to get a little bit more specific about Plan B this week, um, especially on the drilling part of the empathy step. Um, been working in a few buildings lately um, where people have been struggling with a few aspects of uh, the empathy step in particular. And for the unfamiliar, the empathy step, of course, is the first of the three ingredients in doing Plan B with a kid. And uh, as you may know, what sets the uh, empathy step in motion is the unsolved problems section of the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. Um, Because it's there where you're listing the unsolved problems that are reliably and predictably precipitating challenging episodes in the particular kid who you filled out the ALSIP for. One of the problems I've been running into that's quite common for people uh, new to the ALSIP and even for those who are somewhat familiar to it, uh, with it is um, not being specific enough uh, in that unsolved problem section. And one of the common uh, problems there is that instead of writing in a specific unsolved problem, Instead, people write in a particular behavior that a kid is exhibiting. And so in the case of uh, one kid who I uh, got to know a little bit in the last week, um, one of the things that was written in in the unsolved problem section and the one that we decided we'd prioritize in our initial Plan B discussion with the student um, was punching, hitting. Now, as you might imagine, the first thing I said about punching or hitting was that's not specific enough. Um, And what I mean by not specific enough is what you've written in to the unsolved problems section should be what sets um, the discussion in motion. And if it's not specific enough, then the student may actually have no idea 
what it is that you're asking about. And this is one of the most common reasons that we hear, I don't know. If we're asking something that's too vague, then I don't know is what we're likely to hear because the kid doesn't actually have the slightest clue what it is that we're asking about. So we want to be as specific as possible. So I said to the student's teacher, Who, who's the kid hitting? When's the kid hitting? Over what is the kid hitting? Where is the kid hitting? And then the teacher, uh, we got a little bit off track, but in ways that I thought were actually rather productive. The teacher began telling me why she thought the kid was hitting. Um, and among the many common things that I hear are uh, he's hitting for attention. He's hitting for control. He's hitting because he's a bully. And quite frankly, number one, we're still being um, a bit too vague for us to actually home in on, here, here's what the empathy step would sound like if we run with, you're a bully. Um, I've noticed that you're a bully. What's up? Mm, I'm not sure that's the best way to get the information gathering process rolling. How about uh, our, big, our, our initial take on the kid? I've noticed that you're punching. What's up? Still too vague. So I asked about specific uh, conditions under which this uh, student is punching. And I was treated to a few stories about uh, punching. One was on the playground. Another was in the lunch line. Um, different times that the kid was punching. And of course, those, those were a little bit more specific. Um, and um, I was hearing different things about the student. I was hearing that the student uh, was an older sibling. I was hearing uh, that uh, the student um, had a variety of other things going on in her life. Of course, those fall into the category of things that we really can't do much about. So while I found those to be interesting little tidbits, they weren't things that I could very well follow up on in the empathy step. Here's how that would sound. I've noticed that you're the oldest of three. What's up? Mm, not quite there yet. So we decided to run with um, just asking the kid about the conditions under which she was punching. In the conversation with the student, the empathy step began with the following. Um, We've noticed, or in my case, I've heard that um, sometimes you punch. And no, this is not the ideal beginning of the empathy step, but luckily, we were able to get some information anyways. The first thing the student said was, I don't do that anymore. Ah, good. So we might be thrown off base bear there because it sounds like the problem is solved already, in fact. Um, Apparently, this is something that this particular student has been struggling with for a very long time. And as many of you well know, just trying harder is seldom a satisfactory solution to any problem. Um, so, But that set the stage for a safer Plan B dialogue, one in which um, we could pretend that the problem was solved even though we knew it wasn't yet. So the conversation went like this. Oh, good. So that's something you've been working hard on? Yes. I don't punch anymore. 
Great. So when you used to punch, what were you punching about? I was mad. Good. Now we're rolling. Uh, of course, I would have that information ahead of time. The empathy step could have begun with, I've noticed that you get mad sometimes. What's up? I actually like that a little bit better than starting with punching. But here we go. What do you get mad about? And the conversation continued with some specific stories about things that had made the student mad and that resulted in her punching. She readily acknowledged she doesn't punch all the time. She doesn't even punch most of the time. Um, I said to her, you're, you're not going to punch me right now, are you? She said, no, because I'm not mad. I said, um, somehow I don't feel like I'm likely to get punched anyhow. What, what might you do if you got mad besides punching? Scream. Uh, so on the spectrum of looking bad that I've spoken about in other programs, you know, those things that people do when the demands being placed upon them have exceeded their capacity, to respond adaptively, those things, you know, spitting, kicking, hitting, throwing, destroying, running. She's a hitter, screamer. I told her that screaming was certainly preferable to punching, but then asked for these specific conditions under which she did get mad. And she got mad when people got into her space, got mad when people annoyed her. Then came a very interesting one. She got mad when kids weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And this this particular thing that she was getting mad about resonated with um, one of the things that had been checked off for her uh, on the top section of the ALSIP, the um, lagging skill section because it was there that one of the items that had been checked off was having difficulty um, with a change in routine, a change in plan, things not going the way she had anticipated that they would. Hmm. Let's hear a little bit more about that one. Um, and the Discussion continued with a story about a kid who um, had been doing something that she knew he wasn't supposed to be doing, and she yanked him by the collar and yanked him back into the line that he was moving out of, all because he wasn't doing what she knew he was supposed to be doing. Now, the conversation continued with... So to what degree is it kids not doing, well, let's face it, there are kids who would see a, another, a classmate doing what he's not supposed to be doing and not give, the moment, give it another moment's thought. And there are kids who would, particularly the black and white thinking variety, who have difficulty moving away from routine, the original plan, the way things are supposed to go, and find that to be absolutely intolerable. And it sounds like she's one of them. Now we have two different reasons that this kid is punching 
hitting, screaming, things not going the way she thought they would, especially if um, it's one of her classmates doing something that she knows they're not supposed to. Now, isn't that interesting? Because now it suggests to me that maybe those younger siblings are relevant. The interesting piece here is um, we can't do anything about the fact that she has younger siblings. By the way, during the, over the course of this conversation, she was saying that sometimes she gets accused of being bossy. Wow, this is coming together. But only because we're gathering information, only because... Um, we're learning about what's getting in the kid's way. Now, we have two reasons that maybe she's punching, both, by the way, reflective of her not having the skills to handle these situations in a better way, in a more adaptive way. That's why she's a hitter-screamer, because she's lacking the skills to handle these situations in a more adaptive fashion. But now we know that if someone um, is getting in her personal space, or is doing something that she knows they're not supposed to be doing, that's when she's likely to respond in a powerful way. Now I'm thinking to myself, I can, I can see this now. If they get in her personal space and she says something to them about getting out of it and they respond in a way that uh, doesn't solve the problem, well, by golly, there's an excellent chance she's going to punch them. If one of her classmates is doing something that she knows well they're not supposed to be doing and she gives them feedback on that, and they do not respond to that feedback. Well, she's going to punch them. Apparently, she's lacking the skills to do anything except tell and punch. But at least we know when it's happening. And now at least we can start working on those now very specific unsolved problems. We would not be able to do that had we not done the empathy step. Um, one of the solutions that had been applied to her difficulties, by the way, were when she's at recess and the potential for punching pops up, namely if a kid is in her space or ruining her game, uh, one of the options for her was to go push a swing or go do something else that's away from the kids who are bugging her. And so the point that I was able to make was I can think of some things that pushing a swing would be a good solution for, but pushing a swing, distracting oneself, would actually not be a good solution. If somebody's doing something you know they're not supposed to be doing and you're having a hard time with that, or if somebody's in your space or ruining your game, leads to point number two, and that is often we adults come up with solutions with kids without understanding well what the problem is in the first place. And, of course, those solutions, I call them uninformed solutions. Those are solutions that are hit or miss. They're shot-in-the-dark solutions. I find it to be much more reliable, much better practice to come up with informed solutions. Of course, informed solutions are those that are the byproduct of information, information that we gather in the empathy step. Just another drama in real life, one of the many Plan Bs that I've done or seen done with challenging students in the last week. Once again, if you want to join in, have a comment, have a question about a kid who you are 
trying to do plan B with. The call-in number, we do have a caller. I'm about to put them on the air. The call-in number is 646-727-2691. Whether it's something relevant to what we're talking about today or just a kid you're trying to do plan B with and struggling with, there's your call-in number, 646-727-2691. Let's put our caller on the air. And uh, you're on the air. Hi there. Hello. How are you, Dr. Green? This is I'm Woody. doing well. This is Woody from over in Vermont. Woody, how are you? Doing fantabulous. Good. Um, I know but, Woody as a uh, educator who works in Vermont. And um, good. What what you got today, Woody? Well, I have a unique situation. Um, or Don't use anybody's not. names. No, oh, definitely not. Probably good. that not that unique. Um, we have a kindergarten student who is about five years old um, and is really kind of challenging inside the classroom and challenging or, or, or how his behaviors are, are being demonstrated is um, um, he wants to get up and leave a lot and, and not be present when the other students are, are doing their work. Um, the teacher has been really trying very hard in a variety of different methods to not only connect with the student, but also to try to figure out why he wants to disengage. Um, basically, how she's been able to get to him, and, and the answer that she's been able to get is that he just wants to play. So when it's time to get up and transition to another spot, there's a challenge there. Um, new environments, there's a challenge there. Um, other folks have been involved in working with him, to include uh, the school psychologist, who says that he's developmentally about two and a half, um, but chronologically he's five. How best can we advise the, the teacher who's faced with this student um, who really wants to try uh, Plan B and is trying Plan B with him, um, but is really not meeting with any, you know, any degree of success? What would be the next step? Okay. And I, I, this, is, this is like perfection in terms of, the things that I'm hoping we will mostly talk about uh, on this program because what I'm finding people are having the most difficulty with in doing collaborative problem solving, either with an individual student or in their building, is, let's, is taking that type of information, and I think that that's a great description at least to begin with, mm -hmm. um, although as you know, I, I'm likely to think that saying that he's a two-and-a-half-year level developmentally is not going to be specific enough since development can include so many facets, but this is like sure. exactly the type of situation that I love talking about on this program. When let you me, say let me, he's, go ahead. Uh, let me throw a little bit more in there in that um, he's very, very reactive, um, very compulsive. So that when, when I'm saying about a two-and-a-half-year-old um, developmentally, he's got those kinds of characteristics. So if you see something over in the corner that you'd much more you know, want to get involved in, boom, he's over there and then obsesses on that and won't be able to pull himself away. And I'm going to say perseverate, so he just has difficulty okay. getting their idea out of his head. Yep. Um, but he's reactive. And um, Tell me a little bit more about that. He, he is emotional when he wants something and can't have it? Um, yeah, and what he, what he will commonly do is either shut down um, or there on the spot, remove himself from that geographic location, i.e., you know, leave the classroom or the, the part of the classroom that he's in, 
<clears throat> he's gotten to the point now where he's no longer leaving the classroom, which is good, good steps, um, but he is hiding underneath a table or, or whatever. So this is interesting. I'm just uh, jotting some notes down to myself on the spectrum of looking bad, things that this student does when the demand's being placed on him. And by the way, this is where sort of abstract facets of collaborative problem solving, this is where the rubber meets the road. Mm -hmm. uh, on the spectrum of looking bad, namely what this kid does when the demands of the environment exceed his capacity to respond adaptively. And that, of course, flows from the belief that if he could meet those demands adaptively, he would. So we're, we're going to insert kids do all if they can into mm -hmm. the, into the uh, fireworks here. And we're going to insert doing well is always preferable to not doing well, but only if a kid has the skills to pull it off into the mix as well. So we're going to assume the best about this kid that if he could meet the demands that are being placed upon him, he would. And let's operate on another assumption, but you'll have to fill me in here. Are the demands in this classroom that this kid is able to meet? Is, are there tasks, times, um, people who he's supposed to work with where he's not blowing out of the activity? I'm going to say yes, but I don't know that for sure. Okay. Because um, that would be mainly because I'm not in the classroom with him on a right. daily basis. So, and and that would be instructive just to say to us what we what is always true. Although in this case I'm not positive it's always true because if we have a five year old who is generically at a two and a half year old level, I suppose it's conceivable that everything he was being asked to do in the classroom was beyond him. But let's assume that there are some things that are and some things that aren't. If it's one of those things that are beyond him then that's a demand of the environment exceeding his capacity to respond adaptively. Mm -hmm. And now I know where he, because of the information you've given me, now I know where he falls on the spectrum of looking bad. He's uh -huh. a shutter-downer, he's a removing-himselfer, and he's a hider-under-the-desker. Yep. Um, so what do we say about kids who... Uh, where he is on the spectrum of looking bad, people who, kids who hide, hide when the demands being placed upon him exceed their capacity to respond adaptively. Kids who are shutter-downers, well, they shut down when the demands being placed upon them exceed their capacity to respond adaptively. Now, life gets interesting. Now, but by the way, we've already passed through some very important assumptions. Number one, if he could do well, he would do well, because kids do all if they can, and doing well is preferable to not doing well. Number two, He's not doing well under highly specific conditions, those that exceed his capacity to respond adaptively. Now, of course, in the, in the scheme of things, what he does when the demands being placed on him exceed his capacity to respond adaptively is probably the least important part. It's the part that a lot of people pay the most attention to, but in terms of helping him, it's going to be the least important part. Now comes the hard part. And I don't know if you have specific enough information along these lines, when does that happen? We'll With whom, <laughs> over what, where, when. And those, in the parlance of collaborative problem solving, are his unsolved problems. Mm -hmm. What are his unsolved problems? When, with whom, over what, where is he shutting down, removing himself, and hiding under the desk? My sense um, is that it's it's almost across the board and that it doesn't really matter 
where and what's happening at that time, so who he's with and where he is and what he's doing. And from what I understand also is that um, it can vary. Today it would be fine, tomorrow it's not. And trying to figure out what is that unknown or what is that variable that's causing that uh, has been overly challenging to, to determine because engaging him in conversation or trying to talk to him about it results in, you know, a lot of I don't knows or I want to play. Okay, now here's the interesting thing. to be his canned response. Right. Now, here's the thing. If his challenging behavior, basically him letting us know, I I can't do this right now, if it's across the board, that would make this harder, but we'd still have to pick a specific circumstance in which this occurs to begin working on it. Mm Mm-hmm. But as I said already, I'm betting that that's not quite the case. I'm betting that there are, you said that it can vary from day to day, uh, and that is not an unusual circumstance. I guess what I'm looking for are the conditions that heighten the likelihood. In other words, they don't necessarily cause him to shut down with 100% reliability, but they heighten the likelihood with 100% reliability. We just, um, and here's what I would recommend, and maybe you've done this already, um, but here's what I would usually recommend next, and then you can tell me, have you guys done this already? I'd usually recommend that um, people put their heads together and say, when is he sure to shut down? Mm-hmm. Um, on what activities? Is it circle time? Is it group math? Is it when he's paired with certain partners? When is he practically guaranteed to throw his cards on the table and say, I'm done, time to play? That's important information, and the reason for that is, and I'm not going to rely on plan B for that information. I'm going to rely on adult observations for that, for those, for that information. Sure. So that's sort of probably step one, because it's possible that one of the main reasons you're getting a lot of I don't knows from him is, is let me give an example. Here's one way to start the empathy step that would be almost guaranteed, it sounds like in this student, to elicit from him, and I don't know, or I just want to play. Here's what that would sound like, because this is a vague one. And I gave an example of a vague one earlier as well. Here's vague. We've noticed that sometimes you um, don't participate in what's going on in class. What's up? Mm -hmm. Now, in some kids, they are going to look at you, and number one, if he understood what we said, in a lot of kids, and not just five-year-olds, some 15-year-olds, they're going to look at you and... Even if they understand your words, they're unable to connect it with their experience. And since they're unable to connect it with their experience, they can't give us the information we're looking for, in which case there's an excellent chance what they're going to say next is, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But what if through our observations, and I would say in some cases this is just adults putting their heads together, and thinking about the question, when is he guaranteed not to participate? But if that doesn't yield the kind of information we're looking for, then I would recommend simply that people track him for two or three days, collect data on these specific conditions in which he, number one, is participating. That's useful information, but especially on information about when he's not participating. Because that's, a, that, that's my leading explanation for why you might be getting, I don't know, I just want to play out of him. He's not connecting 
with the unsolved problem that we are inserting into the empathy step when we say what we've noticed and what's up. So let's say, either by putting our heads together or by um, keeping data, let's say um, we find that one of the times that he's having difficulty is circle time. Let's say that's Mm -hmm. one of the things we discover. Now here's what the empathy step sounds like. I've noticed that sometimes during circle time, um, you want to go play. What's up? Now we've done a. We might still get an I don't know, by the way, because I haven't even asked you about his communication skills, which is sort of the which is sort of the dark horse here, the unknown variable that could pop up next in our conversation here. Yeah, and to, and to throw a hitch in your get-along there, that, right. that exact question was asked and that exact answer came out. So. I don't know. <laughs> so the exact question was, um, having, we've noticed that you're having trouble in circle time and that you want to go play. What's up? And that's just it. I want to play. I don't know. And so I that guess was, that's his answer. Got it. Um, well, and that does throw what it, what was your expression a hitch a hitch, a hitch in the get along i'm not a sure hitch. exactly what that means but it doesn't sound good <laughs> sounds like a cramp but yeah. um, plan b is now cramping but not not uh, we'll we'll survive this cramp we'll we'll stretch it out a little bit um, the question now is we've been specific enough so the good part is we've just ruled out not being specific enough in the empathy step as the reason we're getting an I don't know. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm, you know, I'm, my attitude is I'm a detective. I'm glad to rule it out. What's your sense about why you're still getting an I don't know, even though you've been specific enough? Does he understand the question? You know, and, and I'm not sure I have the answer to that. Um, I, I, I would believe that maybe he doesn't understand the question or – it's it's an easy way to to disengage from the adult that maybe I'm feeling uncomfortable with, or he's feeling uncomfortable with. I should say could be that. Um, Although you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure cognitively where he's at. Which again, I go back to that two and a half year old, you know, developmental stage. Um, well, and here's the good that, news. That's part of it. Here's the good news. There's two and a half year olds that I've done Plan B with. So the fact that the so that's why we'd want to be more specific about what's meant by two-and-a-half. Mm-hmm. Two-and-a-half-year-old communication skills, two-and-a-half-year-old um, insight, two-and-a-half-year-old comprehension of the expectations of a classroom, two-and-a-half-year-old um, appreciation that it's important to meet those expectations in a school classroom. Yeah. Worked with two and a half year olds whose basic mentality was uh, I play. That's what yeah. I do. Um, uh, whatever these people are asking me to do right now is not even on the scale with playing. I guess here's what I'm thinking though. He, he may be, I, I was talking with some folks about another kid, an older one, but one who recently, one who similarly seemed fairly clueless about what was going on around him and fairly disinterested in being a part of what was going on around him. Mm-hmm. 
does that sound like this kid, or is this kid fairly aware of what's going around him, does seem fairly aware of it, somewhat at least invested in participating it in it? Which which does he sound like? Um, I think he's fairly he's fairly aware. He's uh, aware, and, 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 and I say that knowing from from the teacher that if he sees something in the classroom that's not in order, he's very quick to get up and go over there and place it back in order. Okay, so that's order. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd, so uh, so you're asking about aware of the people interacting around him and well and more sort of um there's awareness like um here's what the expectations are in my class here's mm-hmm. here's what participating actually looks like here's what comes next i know the schedule or at least i'm i'm good to go along with the schedule see this is or why my question yeah. are there things he's participating in already this is why i think this is important because um like it would be good to know um, is he engaged with other kids at any other point of the day? Or is it mostly solitary play? Is he engaged in any lessons during any other part of the day? Um, or is he basically not participating in anything related to a the teacher trying to transmit information to the students? Any so you, sense about so any you, of those? Uh, not really. I wish I, wish I did. Um, so what we're basically looking for, where is he successful in his day? the interactions he has with his peers, with the adults, and what setting, so doing the, you know, who is he with and, and when does that occur and what's the topic at hand. It would take um, me back to that for sure. challenges. What's that? So we're looking for the successes and the challenges. We're, well, the because it would be good to know, number one, is he bombing out the entire day? Mm-hmm. Or are there specific, and that, in that case, it's the demands of the entire day. Yeah. The demands of being in a group social and academic situation that is simply blowing them out of the water completely. And in that case, I would look for more global issues, communication, um, being clued into what's going on around him. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's the entire day. If it was, I'm, I'm sure the, the panic button or, or more services and people would be involved with them earlier on. So. Well, maybe. I mean, I, you know, maybe. Um, he's young, so it's possible that it simply hasn't been picked up on yet. Okay. Um, but that's why that's important, is because it clues us in to what is he able to handle. Is he able to handle play? Is he able to handle play with another kid? That actually suggests a level of being clued in mm-hmm. that him being him bombing out the entire day would not suggest. And then it brings us to the specific demands. If we rule out... He's completely, he's not clued in at all. If that gets ruled out, and instead the statement becomes some things he's clued in about and some things he's not clued in about, then I can get much more specific in looking at the things that he is clued in about, playing. In other words, just hearing about them. I'm dying to know, since playing seems to be the premium for him, seems to be sort of a holy grail, mm-hmm. playing by himself, playing with others. Playing by himself suggests a less a lower level of being clued in. Playing with others suggests a higher level of being clued in. So let's say, just for the sake of discussion, um, that he's clued in, that he is playing with others. Now I want to know, okay, if he's playing with others, and that's not when he's crawling under a desk 
or shutting down or removing himself, then what do we have to add to the mix for him to shut down, remove himself, and hide under a desk? Is that being together in a large group? Is that lots of verbal things going on in that large group? Is that large group instruction? Is that, what is that? Mm-hmm. Because now I'm getting closer to having a better sense about what demands set the stage for him to, what demands exceed his capacity to respond adaptively. Then he's shutting down. Then he's removing himself. Then he's hiding under a desk. That's the information that I'm looking for. But now let's go back to plan B, because that's where we were before we started getting a little bit more specific about unsolved problems. Yeah. Um, Number one, it would be useful to have that information so that we can um, make plan B more relevant to him. But it sounds like, as you were saying earlier, you tried that already. Uh, You said we've noticed that sometimes during circle time, that's hard for you and you just want to go play. What's up? And he said, I don't know. Well, at that point, I probably want to talk about the difference between playing. Maybe you did this already as well. What do you do when you're playing? What are you doing in circle time? And I want to hear about playing with him, even though it's not playing apparently is not a problem for him. I'm still looking for information about what it is about playing. What, what's yeah. he like? What's easy about playing for him? Um, and then I want to hear about what circle time involves. And this might be our segue. Talking about playing might then set the stage for us to say, wow, none of those things happens during circle time. What goes on during circle time? And now what goes on during circle time might give me some answer about his general level of being clued in. Let's say we get lucky. We could get unlucky, and he says, I don't know. But let's say we get lucky. i got to sit there and listen and probably get yelled at because I'm not sitting there and listening. Well, good. Now the conversation's continuing. Mm-hmm. Is sitting there hard for you? Is listening hard for you? So we've gone from our initial I don't know And we've broadened the empathy step to talk about what he likes about playing. And he's given us that information so we can run with it. I just want to play. And maybe in doing that, no guarantees here, obviously, maybe in doing that, we're able to talk about the difference between playing and its demands and circle time and its demands. And maybe with some luck, and if he's got the communication skills to do it, we're getting information from him about what's hard about circle time. Sounds like we've got some work to do. Well, and here's an open invitation to you. We are doing a program next week, but then we're taking the following two weeks off. If you think that you can, so the 21st and the 28th are dates we will not be doing this program due to the holidays and many schools being closed. Um, uh, If you think you can get some of that work done in the next week with him, and you want to call in next week, one of the things I'm hoping to accomplish with this program is um, let's see if we can get a bit of a head of steam going on a few kids and follow them through to a successful plan B, number one in this kid's case, mm-hmm. but also to a successful solution. But in the, So in the case of this kid, just to summarize for everybody, um, sounds like you've got it, but just to summarize for everybody else, 
We're looking to see if we can get much more specific through adult observations, either adults putting their heads together or adults doing some record keeping, of what specific conditions in which he seems to be clued in and participating adaptively, and in what situations he's not so clued in, or at least not participating adaptively. Let's get more specific in the unsolved problems section. In that respect, your call is quite appropriate to the theme of today's program. Um, and then let's try Plan B again, but be prepared for the statement I just want to play, or maybe we can plan ahead for where we're going to go if we get I don't know out of him. Uh-huh. My usual advice on I don't know is um, let's focus on the who, what, where, and when of the problem. Um, I don't know if that would fly here. My other usual recommendation is to compare and contrast a situation in which a kid is having the difficulty with a situation in which a kid is not having the difficulty. And that's, I think, maybe going to serve you better here and what we've mostly been talking about for the last 10 minutes or so. Let's see if we can find something he's doing well, ask about that situation, and then compare it to a situation, circle time in this case, in which he's not doing so well. And maybe that way we'll figure out what it is that he's struggling with the most. Excellent. Feel free to call in next week. I'd love to hear more about this little guy, especially after you um, get a little bit more information about him and maybe even from him. Excellent. Sure. Sound good? Sounds awesome. We'll give it a whirl. Thank you for calling in today. Guys got any snow up there? Uh, It's getting there. We've got a little bit on the ground. Okay. Take care. Good luck this week. Feel free to call in next week. Thanks. Bye. Take it easy. Um, Great example. Um, And a good example, I think, of uh, how vague information, but good information, just not quite specific enough yet, um, needs to be transformed into more specific information, not only so that we can get Plan B rolling a little bit more easily, but also so we can get the information we're looking for from the kid so as to understand what's getting in his way as fully as possible before we start making suggestions about what the solution could be. As I've always said, we can't begin to start thinking about solutions, and he can't either, until we have the clearest possible sense of what's getting in the kid's way. A bad habit for many adults We adults, as I've mentioned numerous times on this program, we tend to be solution machines. We hear just a little bit about the kid's unsolved problem, and we have solutions at the ready. Well, we're going to resist that temptation. Otherwise, we're not going to get the problem solved, and we're going to do plan B a whole lot more than is necessary. Hang out in the empathy step. Hang out on information gathering until you really feel like you have a great sense about what's getting in the kid's way. Then you're ready for the next two ingredients of Plan B. Thanks for listening in today. Join us again next week. Hopefully we'll hear back from Woody about this uh, little guy and hear about what Woody did. In the meantime, have a great week, and um, good luck with Plan B.